Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special extra edition of the Wasatch Report. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, year of our Lord, 2018. I'm your host, Suzanne Sherman, and this is the Cerberus Radio Network, where we defend liberty and freedom from the flames of tyranny. I have a very special guest for you today. We have been obviously following the news of the tragic shooting in Florida at the high school. And what I have noticed has been amiss in the mainstream media coverage has been what we're going to cover today. It's going to be a two-part series. The first today, we are going to be discussing the role of pharmaceutical, of the pharmaceutical industry that really has been hidden from you. And I'm going to tell you why in a few moments. And then tomorrow, I'm going to actually look at the schools themselves. But I want to remind you, we are live right now. We will not be taking calls today because my guest will be using up our phone line. You will be able to reach me and you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Cerberus Radio Network or Suzanne Sherman, Cowgirl Esquire. We also have a fan page and that is CRN. So go to Facebook and find us there as well. So as I usually do, I will interrupt my show and my commentary to share relevant comments and from listeners. So don't think that you will be ignored. People post on my wall. They post on the messages. The messages are easier to read, but I will get to them and you can certainly participate today. We will be having quite a few new listeners. I want to thank those that have said they'll be chiming in or listening in, I, sa- I should say, as well as the people from Dallas, Texas and the Texas area where our, my guest comes from. So I want to encourage you also to check us out. We have a YouTube channel called the Cerberus Radio Network channel. We are getting, uh, our listenership is is increasing. So I would encourage you to please subscribe and share it. The commentary that we have on this show and the other shows on the network, once again, are not the types of commentary that you're going to hear from the mainstream media. We like to dig in. We spend the time We don't cover 20, 30 stories a day. Some people just like the news read to them. We don't do that here. We actually get deep into the analysis. What causes these problems? What are some real life solutions that we can have? While you're on the network, I want to encourage you to also check out our other shows. My producer, Jeff Johnson, who's in the studio with me today, has a show called The Paradigm Shift. You you tune into him, you'll get your dose of Patrick Henry and some of the founding fathers and who like like me, he likes to apply those thoughts, 20, 18th century ideas for 21st century thinkers to modern day problems. He also has a show with the other founder of the network, Daniel Bailey, the Renegade and the Rambler radio show. And they go live on Sunday evenings. Daniel has a show, The Bailey Report. We also have the Brush Fires of Freedom show that is a rebroadcast from a show out in Tucson, Arizona. We have new talent to the network. Justin and Mike have a show called The Other Side. Check out their page because they did a show on Abraham Lincoln a couple weeks ago. And because it's President's Day, a lot of people are talking about presidents. And yesterday on a local station, somebody discussed his favorite president, Abraham Lincoln. If you want another perspective that's actually historically accurate, you can tune in to the other side. Again, great show. Also pleased to announce, we have a couple of the radio broadcasts defending Utah. We have one where my good friend Ben McClintock interviews Amon Bundy and the most recent one where he interviews Jeanette Finnicum, the spouse of the deceased, I should say murdered Lavoy Finnicum. But I want to uh, get moving because today we have a very, very special guest. 
And what I have found that has been missing from the analysis of the shooting last week, everybody right now is focusing on generic mental health and guns. I don't care what side of the gun ban firearms restriction, whether you want a complete ban, whether you want, quote, common sense, air quote, restrictions, or if you are mole and lobby, come and get them. What we can all agree on is we have to have an absolute, honest, logical response to what I consider an epidemic right now. And that is a man-made epidemic of children and adults that are under the influence of psychotropic drugs. And this is not discussed. And when my guest comes on the show, you're going to understand why you don't hear this conversation on the mainstream media. The lovely woman I have joining me is Dr. Mary Ann Block, and she has a clinic, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area called the Block Center. And what they do there, if you go to their website, it's Block Center, B-L-O-C-K, center.com. What they say there is cause, find the cause and fix the problems. Don't just cover symptoms with drugs. Her approach is to look for and treat the underlying causes of such health problems as ADHD, autism, anxiety, PMS, ear infections, asthma and fatigue in children and adults instead of covering the symptoms with drugs. Anybody that goes to the doctor today knows how easy it is to get a prescription for a problem. And what I've noticed is they don't often check what, what this doctor says is what are the underlying causes. Now, I grew up in a family, my grandfather, was a surgeon. He actually delivered me. He was the chief of surgery at the hospital where I was born. That year, he was also the president of the California Medical Association. Jeff, this was Dr. Sam Sherman, the one whose story I told he was on the USS uh, Franklin when it was bombed off the coast of Okinawa. But, you know, grandpa taught me and he instilled in me that we respect our doctors, that we listen to what they say. This was in the day when, when doctors would do house calls, when their businesses weren't run by insurance companies. And yes, they had prescriptions that they gave out, but I, you didn't see the uh, paraphernalia of the pharmaceutical influence in their offices, the posters, the pens, the notepads, and so on. So it, as time has gone on, it has become more and more important to be your own advocate and to be a patient's advocate if you must be for somebody else. And nobody has done it better than this woman here who literally changed her life to be an advocate. That being said, Dr. Marianne Block, I wanna welcome you. I've, in, I've, interviewed, I've interviewed you before. This is my new show, The Wasatch Report. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, it's a pleasure. Well, when, when I heard about this latest tragedy, my first thought when I saw this young man, I thought, well, gosh darn it, here's another one. And uh, as the news unfolded, it did become evident that this has been a very troubled man for a long time. And again, tomorrow I will focus on the school aspect and how, how kids function in schools, especially the public schools. But I wanted to take the time since I was fortunate enough to get hold of you to focus now on how many of these kids are being treated with psychotropic drugs. And when I say treated, I'm using that term lightly. Your book starts out, I'm going to read a quick paragraph. When you open this book, you say, and this is, a, this is I believe, a quote that you attribute to somebody. If Mozart or Beethoven had lived today, they would have been drugged for ADHD. Uh, oftentimes, you, like you say, people are just drugged 
because of behavioral issues rather than finding out what is the cause. Let's let's start with your story because then people will really understand how dedicated you are to this cause. Tell us a little bit about your daughter. Oh, sure. So my daughter, uh, when she was young, had chronic bladder infections. And of course, doctors treated her with medications, uh, but they didn't go away. Uh, they kept going. And uh, finally, they treated her actually with two psychiatric drugs uh, for which the side effects uh, had an effect on the bladder. So I thought it was pretty crazy at the time, I was, but I was a young mom uh, who was taught to, to believe what doctors said. And even though I questioned it, I was like, why would you put her on psychiatric drugs for bladder infections? But you know, the doctor was pretty adamant and said, if, if you don't do this, she's never going to get well. So you tell that to a young mother whose child is really suffering, you know, then you do it. And I did it. And my daughter ended up very, very sick. I mean, she was sick for over three years from the side effects of the drug and from the withdrawal from the drugs. So one of the drugs was Valium and Valium relaxes the bladder because it relaxes all the muscles in the body. Um, and it wasn't till later when I went to medical school that I learned that uh, sudden withdrawal from Valium can actually be fatal. And that's what the doctor did with my daughter, took her off of her abruptly. And the other uh, medication was an antidepressant, a tricyclic antidepressant that was used at the time for bedwetting. And so that was the association with the bladder. But again, it, these drugs don't fix any problems. They, uh, the attempt was to cover the symptoms. And what they did with my child, though, was made her literally deathly ill. She was so sick, the doctors were trying to see if she had leukemia. Uh, it was a really scary time. And when I finally realized that these doctors can prescribe drugs, but they didn't know how to fix problems that they caused, I decided to go to medical school at the age of 39 to save my daughter. And that's what I did. And fortunately, with the help of really good doctors um, who were my mentors who practice the same kind of medicine I practice today, which is find the cause and fix the problem. Uh, my daughter got well and she's done fantastic. And I've been able to practice that kind of medicine with everybody else that is looking for it. So the pres prescribing your daughter, these, these different, these psych psychotropic drugs to treat a bladder issue. Is that what they call off-label? Yes, that would be off-label. Off-label is legal. Any doctor can prescribe any drug for anything. But what it means is it's not been tested. Uh, it has not gone through uh, the testing process, which the, you know, we can talk about later. The testing process isn't really a very good one anyway. Um, but it doesn't have an indication for that particular thing. So drug companies are not supposed to be marketing it for that particular problem. Uh, but they do kind of quietly sometimes do that anyway. And some of them have gotten in trouble for it and paid large fines. But the fines probably didn't come close to the money they made off of these medications when they were used off-label. And um, so... You know, sometimes it might make sense to use a medication off-label, uh, but the, the bottom line is the practice of medicine is, 
very different today, I believe, than it, than it ever has been before. Uh, studies show that most doctors spend about seven minutes with a patient. And in that seven minutes, you really can't find out very much information. So the uh, model is basically, what's your problem? Here's your drug. Goodbye. And so doctors are also actually being taught that if they can find a psychiatric reason, they can prescribe a psychiatric medication and they have to do even less because psychiatric uh, disorders are actually subjective. There's really no objective finding for a psychiatric disorder. So someone may feel depressed, but nobody else can prove that objectively. And I'm not denying that people feel depressed. I'm just saying it can't be objectively defined. And so if you have high blood pressure, your blood pressure can be taken and you can see it's high. You, you need blood pressure medication. But with psychiatric disorders, there is no objective defi defining way to do that. So if a doctor can um, give someone a psychiatric diagnosis, they give them a psychiatric drug, they can get them out of their office even faster with putting less money into that patient because no lab tests have to be done. And we'll so get in. Uh, it saves insurance money. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just, it just saves the insurance companies money. It saves the doctors who might be taking insurance, saves them money. And there's actually now articles in medical journals actually telling doctors to do this. If you can find you know, a way, they aren't sleeping. Oh, they have depression. Give them an antidepressant. They have diarrhea. And I've seen this. I've seen people given antidepressants for diarrhea. Uh, oh, you have diarrhea. You must have anxiety. Here's your antidepressant. Sometimes it comes to the point that, well, the doctor goes, hmm, well, I've tried what I know. So it must all be in your head. Let's give you an antidepressant. In, in your book, just so if people are just tuning in, Dr. Mary Ann Block of the Block Center in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is with me today. I first heard about you because a friend of mine told me about your book, No More ADHD. And I implore anybody who has children, if they have family members who have children, let me just say, I think everybody should read this book because it is a remarkable um, dis discussion of the medical industry. And what we're talking about right now is you're explaining really the medical system. You have your, your first chapter in this book discusses how important it is to understand the medical dis system. As you said, doctors do not spend a lot of time with the patients. You also mentioned here because we are seeing so many kids being prescribed these psychotropic drugs so they can pay attention to school. And we're going to get into that as well, because you also say it's important in your second chapter to understand the school system. And what's frightening is how closely the two are tied together. Now, when you wrote this book, I think Ritalin was the popular drug of the day, and you describe it as being like cocaine and can be very dangerous. And we're seeing, well, these, these drugs are stimulants, but in children, the effect is that they calm down and focus. Well, that might be the observable, observable effect that makes life easier for the teachers and the classmates and the kid while in school. But there are some very significant physiological effects as well. 
where we have to examine, do these benefits outweigh the risks or do they not? Let's have a discussion of that as well as how it ties into the schools. I'll let you run with that because I know you can. Okay. Well, yeah. And again, it comes back to find the cause and fix the problem. Don't just cover symptoms with drugs. Prescribing Ritalin or Adderall or, or any one of the many uh, medications that are uh, out there today that are used for ADHD symptoms, um, it, it follows that exactly. The doctors who are prescribing those uh, are not looking for the underlying cause, for which there are many. There are um, uh, diet issues. I mean, I just uh, saw a patient a couple of weeks ago and simply changed her diet and talked to the mom two weeks later, and she's like, oh, my gosh, she's a different kid. I mean, it was that simple. Um, allergies. If people go to my website and look at the blockcenter.com website and click on the allergy page and watch the video of the little boy going through allergy testing, they can see how significant allergies are to behavior, focus, concentration. There's even studies in reputable allergy journals that say children with allergies have more trouble in school across the board than kids who don't have allergies. Then there's uh, things like chronic strep or PANDAS. Many pediatricians today don't even recognize PANDAS. PANDAS stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Strep. So someone has a strep infection, they get it treated with antibiotics for 10 days, but it didn't really treat it successfully. And they can have all kinds of neurological and psychiatric symptoms from this having this strep in their system. It's like it attacks their brain and often goes completely undiagnosed. You know, uh, learning day, problems is another major. Go ahead. Hmm? Go but, ahead. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Learning, learning problems is another issue that often goes undiagnosed. We expect children when they go to kindergarten to be able to sit and, and focus and concentrate and listen. But per, almost every single child I have seen in my office who has been diagnosed as ADHD is what we call left ear dominant. They're listening mostly with the left ear. The problem with this, and it's such a simple concept, the listening center is on the right side, uh, is on the left side of the brain. I'm sorry. Listening center is on the left side of the brain, and the left side of the brain controls the right side of the body. So if you listen with your right ear, it goes straight to the listening center. They catch it the first time they hear it, and you don't have to tell them twice. But think about it, if all these kids are listening with the left ear, it's going to the right side of the brain, they got to move it over to that listening center or lose it. And you give them two or three instructions at once, it gets scrambled, they don't get it right, and then everybody gets upset. So we also have a program that helps convert them to right ear dominance very quickly. So there's all these pieces to this puzzle that gets called ADHD, but in actuality, it's not ADHD. It's underlying medical and educational problems. So we're putting children on addictive. These are highly addictive drugs. They're amphetamines, <laughs> methamphetamines. And the idea, I don't know who came up with the idea that it made sense to put children on amphetamines to help them focus and concentrate. I mean, it, that's just like running over an ant with a Mack truck. Uh, it's, it's just too much. So uh, 
these kids then often will get addicted to these drugs. And by the way, the drug insert says that these drugs can cause psychotic episodes, agitation, behavioral disturbances, thought disorders. And so we, we shouldn't be surprised when these kids actually get worse instead of better. And then they change the drug or they tried, you know, a different or increased dose of the drug. Um, but they're not getting to that root cause because getting to the root cause takes a little more time. And it does take a little more money because you have to do these tests to find out what that root cause is. Giving out a drug is cheap. Finding the real cause is, is not. But in the long run, it's going to be less expensive than, than doing, giving drugs that don't work and may cause serious and life-threatening side effects. Not only is giving a drug cheap, but doesn't it benefit, and I, I'm not trying to say doctors have malicious intentions, but doesn't it benefit them financially? Isn't there somewhat of a conflict of interest in this quick prescription <clears throat> of these dangerous pharmaceuticals and, and uh, a benefit well, to them? Yeah, there's less of that today than there was in the past, but there is still, uh, if a doctor prescribes, uh, used to be, you know, you just prescribe a drug a lot, you get a trip to Hawaii, whatever, but that's been outlawed. But you can become a um, consultant for the drug company and they will pay you um, for that. So uh, there's still some ways that doctors can benefit. I would say that most doctors do not benefit in that manner. Most doctors are benefiting from seeing a lot of patients in a given day, um, getting their patients in and out quickly and I don't think they're malicious. This is what they've been taught. They've been taught right. this is the way to practice medicine. And the it's up to the patient to say, no, this is not okay. This is not the way you should be practicing medicine. I want you to find the cause and fix it and not just throw drugs at this. And if they can't do that, then they need to find another, another doctor. So we've got knowledge of many, many cases of, of mass shootings or just shootings or killings, not always shootings, um, of, by people taking these types of medications for ADHD. Um, there was a 14-year-old who was taking Ritalin, and he opened fire on students at a high school prayer meeting. Um, there was a young man in Huntsville, Alabama, on Ritalin. He went psychotic, chop, chopping up his parents with an axe and killing uh, one sibling and almost murdering another. There's um, the two boys in Jonesboro, Arkansas, who shot 15 people, and uh, they were on Ritalin. And then another one where a uh, 15-year-old killed his parents and then went to the high school where he went on a rampage killing two students and wounding 22 others. And he had been prescribed both Ritalin and Prozac. And I want to talk about the depression and anxiety side of this also in a minute. So we've got situation after situation where these kids who were diagnosed as ADHD were put on these medications and they actually killed people. And there is a suicidal, uh, increased suicide risk with some of these drugs as well. Dr. Block, let me interject. I have, a message. I have a message from a friend of mine who actually works in the juvenile court system. And he has a, uh -huh. I guess I should say client that's been assigned to him who is presently on lithium 
Intuniv, Abilify, Lexapro, Vivance, and Trazodone. All of these drugs. Oh my God. One kid, he said he's oh attempted. Oh so Yeah, all of them. One kid. He's attempted suicide four times. His methods, his preferred method is hanging and he has been hospitalized many times. And I said, you have to list those for me again because I will never remember them. What are your thoughts on something like that? Right. Okay. So lithium is actually, uh, out of all of those, it's, it's a natural, more of a natural medication. Uh, not as much of an issue, though there may be some side effects. But so name the next one. Intuniv. Intuniv. So that's an ADHD patient. It keeps you uh, alert. And so is Vivant. So to prescribe two medications kind of of the same category is kind of bizarre because you're going to get, um, one, number one, they've never been studied together. So the safety is you know, unknown. Um, so you're, you could be getting double the side effects. You could get an exponential effect by, by, by taking two medications that are kind of in the same uh, area. What were the others? Uh, let's see. And then we have, I think these are related as well, Abilify and Lexapro. And then we have Trazodone. Well, Lex okay, Lexapro is a is an antidepressant, um, and um, antidepressants have a block. I don't know how old this, this person is, but Lexapro has a warning that there's a risk of suicide in young adults uh, and teenagers from these drugs. And these drugs, there's a whole list. So there's about a dozen or more, you know, Prozac, Paxil, uh, Celexa. I mean, there's just a there's so many of them, it's just bizarre that do the same thing. But there's a warning. And in other countries, these drugs are banned in that age group. But let me tell you something. The body is not aware when it turns 18 and becomes an adult. We'll be right back after this message about Anchor FM. <laughs> because to say, well, we don't give these children, and you don't know when the body is going to recognize that it's an adult. I've known 40-year-olds, I've known 50-year-olds who killed themselves taking these medications, and they were not suicidal before they took these medications. There's even a genetic test. They did studies and found there's an actual genetic predisposition to suicide and homicide from taking these drugs. If, so if you have those markers and you take these drugs, you are at a high risk for killing yourself or killing others. Are they... Um, are they are they doing any so, testing before before they prescribe these drugs to see if that person will be predispossessed? No, it's hard. I actually have seen some psychiatrists who are now doing these genetic tests, which I'm really pleased to see. Not enough of them are doing it, but a few of them are. And I think everyone should demand that, first of all. But, but, but again, why are we even putting people on these medications? And if you need six or seven, whatever that young man is on, erythritol is an antipsychotic, by the way. Um, if you need that many medications, well, they're just not working. They weren't the right treatment to begin with. And you need to go back to, to, to the beginning. Now, I want to make something very, very clear. You never, ever, ever stop these psychiatric medications abruptly. They must only be stopped very slowly, very carefully, and under the supervision of a doctor who actually knows what they're doing. And those are hard to find as well. 
But if you stop abruptly, the risk of suicide and homicide goes up again tremendously. So um, it would be better if we started off with these kids when they're young, instead of drugging them with ADHD medications that are addictive, and then they gradually move on to these antidepressants and antipsychotics, and then they end up in psychiatric hospitals. And I see these kids, and their lives are literally ruined by these medications. It didn't help them. It ruined them. And if we would start in the beginning by doing the tests these kids need to find out if they have learning problems and fix those learning problems, to see if they have allergies and treat the allergies, change the diet, do all the things that really I've proven in 30 years of practice work very, very well and let those kids have the life they deserve. And just as with ADHD, there's underlying causes. I've written another book since we talked before, and it's called Just Because You're Depressed Doesn't Mean You Have Depression. So there are many reasons why we might feel depressed, but it doesn't mean we have a psychiatric disorder called depression. So the definition of depression is being sad basically for two weeks. Well, and if you've lost a loved one, if you've had a lost your job, a traumatic event, you're going to be pretty down for more than two weeks. That doesn't mean you have a psychiatric disorder. It means you are appropriately mourning whatever loss you had. But there's other medical conditions. Let's talk about hormone imbalances. When doctors say, oh, you have postpartum depression. That means afterbirth depression. It's not depression. It's not a psychiatric disorder. It's a hormone imbalance. And somebody needs to balance that woman's hormones, not put her on psychiatric drugs. We go back to Andrea Yates, who drowned her children. Um, she was on several psychiatric drugs. And if you look at the side effects of the drugs she, she was on, well, you think, well, how, it, it's no wonder she did something terrible. I mean, we wouldn't want to think that, that I mean, there's it, it, no question in my mind. She was on a drug called Remeron that can impair judgment, cause abnormal thinking, confusion, agitation, delirium, delusions, hallucinations, hostility. She was on Effexor, which causes agitation, depersonalization, confusion. She was on Wellbutrin, which impairs your sleep, can cause hostility, delusions, agitation, and Haldol, which can cause agitation, anxiety, confusion, hallucinations, so you can see she was on all four of those drugs when she killed her children. And that raises a very important issue because now as a knee-jerk response to the latest shooting, by the way, there was also one in, in California in San Bernardino, which prompted the laws that they have now about confiscating under a TRO, temporary restraining order, people's firearms, if somebody suspects they are having mental issues and could be a danger to themselves or others. But the child that uh, precipitated this law was in fact on these medications as well. And <clears throat> so again, mm-hmm. there has been this pattern where we look at the weapon used, we look at the, that we have mm-hmm. a firearm and now we're going to look at banning guns, having more background checks, having more restrictions, but nobody's talking about what I call the the elephant in the room, which is the common denominator. These individuals are all on <laughs> Medication. Yes, it is. And if we go back, we, we have had guns in this country forever, and we didn't have these mass shootings. But we also did not have AK-47s readily available to anybody who wanted them, including those who have 
mental disorders or who are diagnosed with mental disorders for whatever reason. And so uh, I, for one, think that we should not be, uh, that, that we couldn't, you know, people can't kill that many people that fast if they didn't have those kinds of drugs, those kinds of guns. I mean, Andrea Yates killed five children one by one uh, by drowning them. <clears throat> she didn't need a gun. But when people say we need better mental health, well, no, we need less mental health. <clears throat> more mental health means more people getting these drugs, which means more people potentially doing these, doing, killing people. And every single one of these people that we know of was under the care of a psychiatrist or was taking one, one or more of these medications. Does that mean their psychiatrists were bad? Um, or when we say we need better mental health? So, no, we don't need better mental health. We need less mental health. We need better doctors who will take the time to find out what's really wrong with these people and treat them, get rid of their symptoms by treating the cause and not just throwing these psychiatric drugs at them, which puts them at risk for killing themselves and others. Dr. Block, and that, Dr. Block can I interrupt here? I, I am a corrections officer and I work for a state system. And you say we need mental, less mental health, and I couldn't agree more. Mental health runs uh, our correction system, and you—I don't—I doubt you'd be surprised, but I, I imagine most would be surprised that just about everyone in prison is on a mental uh, on some sort of psychotropic drug, and it's just rampant in in prison. Yeah, and and and, and prisons are more violent because of it, <clears throat> you know, and that's this this total. Either it's a total, I'm sorry, <clears throat> total lack of understanding of what these drugs do. But what I don't understand is why the NRA does not bring up the effect of these drugs unless they have an agreement with the pharmaceutical industry, because they could take the attention off the guns immediately if they stood up and said something about these psychiatric drugs, but they don't. Well, they don't, because if they took the attention off the drugs, they would lose their revenue source. So it behooves the NRA to be in this constant battle to protect our gun rights, air quotes. And I think they you know, should justifiably point the finger in the direction of the pharmaceutical companies. And you and I had this discussion before. I'm going to go on a little rant here and give your voice a break. Uh, why we do not hear, I, I asked you this on another interview and I hadn't thought of this before. I said, Dr. Block, with all of these people on all these psychotropic drugs on every one of these shootings, why is the media, even so-called conservative media, focusing on the, on the guns? Conservative media wants to maintain our, quote, Second Amendment rights and protect them, but have some common sense restriction. The left wing, they want an all out and out ban altogether. And I'm sitting there screaming at the television, what about the drugs? And then they break to a commercial break. A bill, a bill, five. Oh, you have psoriasis? We can fix that. You want to lose weight? You can. We can fix that. You can't sleep? We've got a pill for that, too. We have become so lazy. We just look for a quick fix. Well, and it's even more than that because I was I was told by the the producer of a major news show. He said this directly face to face to me. We will not put information on our channel that undermines our advertisers. So there you go. And this when I, I mean, that's it right there. Yeah, when I promoted the show, I said we are going to tell you why. 
you are not hearing this story. And I really didn't think about all the ads. I didn't pay, I didn't pay much attention to them. But I, if you're going to watch these, these shows, look and see how much advertising today we have by these pharmaceutical companies. There is no way they would ever tolerate having this message come out. And that's why I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to bring Dr. Block to you. No more ADHD, 10 steps. I also have her book, just because you're just because you're depressed doesn't mean you have depression. I believe that's what it's called. And the the theory, yeah. the the theme for these books is we have to look at what is causing these symptoms, not just write down a name of a drug on a piece of paper and send you on your merry way. Because you know, you mentioned in these books also in the No More ADHD book. We have to pay attention to something as simple as nutrition. We mentioned it, but let me tell you a quick story. I had, when my boys were in a private school, when we were in California, a mom, you know, parents are busy these days. And this mom didn't even work outside the home, but she said, oh, I just, because I, I, I was saying how I made my son some eggs Benedict or something crazy for breakfast. And, and she said, oh, gosh, I just throw my daughter a bowl of cereal in the morning. But Dr. Block, let's talk about the effects of a bowl of cereal in the morning and sending these kids to school and how this, I mean, people are thinking, Suzanne, you're crazy. Now you're going against cereal. Think about now physiologically what <laughs> happens with this bowl of cereal. Now the kid's body does what it's going to do. The mind does what it's going to do. The teachers do what they're going to do. And then the doctors do what they're going to do. Let's run through that. Johnny gets a bowl of Cap'n Crunch for breakfast. Off he goes to school. What next? Well, about an hour later, he's not going to be able to sit still, focus, concentrate. He might get uh, agitated, angry, uh, throw stuff on the floor, hit somebody. But you, what's happening is he's having a reactive hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. And when you get that, when that occurs, you uh, the body actually releases a chemical to raise the blood sugar instantly back to normal, which is why don't bother testing your blood sugar at that time. It's already back to normal. But the chemical that raises it back to, back to normal is adrenaline. And adrenaline is the fight or flight chemical that is supposed to be released when we're in danger so we can run fast or fight hard. So now it's being released when Johnny's supposed to be sitting still in his class and his desk listening to the teacher and doing his schoolwork. And he literally can't because the, the brain has been taken over basically by the adrenaline, which is telling him run fast or fight hard, which means he can't sit still. He might be aggressive. He might have behavioral issues. And it's a physiological reaction. It's not a medication deficiency. So I have the kids eat protein and water for breakfast, and that's it. And then have a mid-morning protein snack, get rid of the sweets, get rid of the sugar, get rid of the uh, artificial sweeteners all in the rest of the day, and make sure they eat a very small amount of protein five to six times during the day to keep that blood sugar even. And it's, it's amazing how many kids, that's all they need. I mean, it's that fast, and it works that well. So, uh, you know, and some parents are like, well, how can I take away sugar from my child? Or it's too much trouble to make eggs or bacon for breakfast. Well, I tell them, you know, cook a bunch of bacon on the weekend and put it in the freezer. And if you need to, just microwave it in the morning. You know, I clean it and cook it every morning. It's available. It's ready. But that bowl of cereal has so much sugar in it. White flour, white bread, white pasta, all turns into sugar by the time it hits our stomachs. So um, 
the amount of sugar and then sodas. Good goodness, some kids are drinking a, a soda for breakfast even. <clears throat> There's something like 25 teaspoons of sugar in that. We can't eat that way. That's not the way we ate in the old days. We got up, we had a big hearty breakfast and then went to school. And we have to go back to eating that way and not expect our kids to function with basically nothing but sugar in their body. It just doesn't doesn't work. After I had read your book, I was at a little restaurant downtown here where I live and there was a mom just running it. It was her business. And when I came in, she said, I just want to let you know, I have um, my little boy has, I think he was ADHD or autistic. He was on the spectrum. And he said, sometimes he says things that might be inappropriate. I just want you to know this is, you know, who he is. And I said, yeah, no problem. I, I have no problem with that. I'll, I'll, we'll be kind to him. And so I'm sitting there. I, I turn around. I see this boy and he's sitting there. He had just gotten off of school because this was in the afternoon. And now, mind you, she owns a restaurant. She could have given him anything there. And before the, before yeah. him on the table is a bag of Doritos, nacho chips, um, candy, and a blue drink. And I'm thinking, no wonder your kid is messed up on medication. You're giving him a chemical poop storm here. Yes, exactly. And, and going back to the antidepressants, is, and, and everybody listening, when you get a drug, a prescription drug from your doctor, go home and Google the side effects. Because according to the FDA, less than 1% of doctors actually know the side effects of the drugs they prescribe. So you can count on them not knowing it, so you better know it. And if you ask them about the side effects, and they may just tell you one or two, uh, it's not the full list, and it's and not the what you get from the pharmacy is not the full list. So you really need to Google the drug insert and read it. <clears throat> and if you don't want those side effects, any of them that are on there, then you need to find some other way to treat your problem. Because listen to the, some of the side effects of the most common antidepressants that are prescribed today. Agitation, confusion, emotional liability, liability sleep problems, apathy, central nervous system depression, depersonalization, hallucinations, neurosis, paranoia, personality disorder, psychosis, antisocial reactions, delusions, suicide, homicide. Now, think about all these mass murders and that they were taking one of these drugs and they could have been having these side effects. Somebody needs to be responsible for that. You know, Andrea Yates, who drowned her children, she ended up being convicted of murder and then she was retried and found not guilty by insanity. But she's still in a hospital you know, possibly for the rest of her life. But who took responsibility for the medications that were prescribed that caused the end results of this? Who didn't know the side effects? The doctors who who prescribed without knowing the side effects, without doing the genetic test, uh, where is their responsibility in all of this? And, you know, oftentimes the disease that these kids have is really called childhood. I had a friend, again, when I lived in California and our boys were very young, her son was four years old and there was this, I, I refer to him as notorious pediatrician in the San Jose area who everybody said their kid was getting medications from this doctor. And one of them told me she brought her son in there. And as they were speaking, they have a little playroom. And while the kid was playing, and again, we're talking about a four-year-old boy, 
the doctor just based on that uh -huh. observation for a few moments put him on an ADHD medication. And this kid was four years old uh -huh. and they really pushed this yeah. on you. My younger son, they tried to do the same thing. Oh, look, he has ADHD. Well, what do you mean? You just asked me some questions and asked if he picks up his room or asked if he's organized for crying out loud. He's six years old. Every one of these answers is going to be no. Well, yeah, I know, but this is all the symptoms of ADHD. We're going to recommend that you send him to a psychiatrist for medication. And I said, well, then how is he ever going to learn to cope with the way his brain works. What about when he's 18, if I force this on him his entire life, how is he going to learn to focus within the way his mind works? He will never have these skills. How did people get by before they had these drugs? Are these drugs effective to treat what we call spectrum issues? Well, that's, that's the thing. I think it's a good, the good question is how did people get along before we had these drugs? Were there people who had trouble in school and trouble with behavior? Of course there were, but they, you know, they probably had those same underlying causes, poor diet, allergies, learning problems, et cetera. And maybe they weren't successful in school, but they didn't go kill people or kill themselves uh, as a side effect to, to those problems. It really just didn't happen back then. I think that's, that's a question that I always tell people when it comes to, uh, to vaccinations. What did we do before we had them? People really weren't dying from these infections that, that we have vaccines for today. You know, people don't realize there's like 50 vaccines given to children before kindergarten, 75 by the time they graduate from high school. And people say, well, I took vaccines. It didn't bother me. Well, you may, might have had my, my day. We had maybe two, three vaccines. Uh, my kids maybe had 10 at the most, but 50 before kindergarten is a big change to that. And and the reason I also bring it up is that because there are neurotoxins in the vaccines that can affect brain function. And mercury uh, is not gone from all vaccines. Aluminum is in a tremendous amount of vaccines. And the amount of aluminum in one single vaccine far exceeds what the FDA is, says is safe for us to ingest, far exceeds it. So you would have to be about a 350-pound adult to take in that amount of aluminum. And aluminum is a neurotoxin. So that too affects our brains, the brains of these children before they're even old enough to lay down good nervous system pathways. These vaccinations are now being deemed mandatory. When I lived in California, you could have a philosophical objection to them. And now they've taken that away in California. Not surprisingly, a pediatrician was behind that, uh, the, that law coming to fruition. So really, where, where do we go from here? We have parents that are too busy, maybe to feed their kids proper meals in the morning. Then we have parents that need to, well, I've got to get this kid to the doctor and get a quick fix. And I certainly can't, I, I can't take off enough time to have all these medical tests done. What can we get done quickly? But as we see, you know, they talk about with the discussion of the legalization or decriminalization of medical marijuana, recreational use marijuana, calling that a gateway drug is, uh, you know, the side against that. But let's, aren't these now the first, maybe the first uh, prescription for Ritalin or whatever they're calling it these days? Is that not a greater, a gateway drug to these other pharmaceuticals? And we find these kids on these cocktails, like I read to you earlier, that haven't even oh, been yeah. tested together. And you brought up the cocaine and Ritalin connection and what people don't realize, and I said these are amphetamines 
just like cocaine. And Ritalin goes to the same receptor site in the brain as cocaine and provides the same high when taken in the same manner. So um, when they gave mice the choice of, of Ritalin or cocaine, they chose Ritalin. Um, so <clears throat> these, these, you know, it, it's just, with, with, we have every bit of information at our fingertips online today. It's just, there's no excuse to not spending, you know, 30 minutes to uh, pull up the side effects of a medication, look for other alternatives that are out there that might benefit your child. Um, if you're that busy, then please don't even have a child. You know, uh, let's, let's make sure that when we have children that we're going to have the time to do right by them. And uh, oh. not everybody should go to medical school with their children, obviously. But, you know, you can take a few minutes to look at the medication and, and not see that as a shortcut. Because I guarantee you that at the down the road, you might see that this is a quick and easy fix today. But down the road, you may be dealing with such a terrible situation that your child may not even survive from. And that's what. Doctors aren't telling parents, uh, maybe they don't see it because they're not treating those kids down the road. You know, the pediatrician starts it, but then these kids are teenagers or young adults when the major issues are, are surfacing and they're in these psychiatric hospitals and in and out and doing all these dangerous things. Um, they don't believe in themselves. They don't think they can get along without the drugs because that's what they've been basically taught is you have to take this in order to behave yourself. Well, no, that's just not true. There are, and, and, but just discipline is not always enough either. If you watch that video on my website on the allergy page, and you'll see that that child could not behave himself if he's exposed to that particular allergen. It is literally impossible, no matter how hard he tried. So we have to fix these underlying causes and give these ch children the best shot at the life at their lives that they can have. I, th I think that's one of the things that's so heartbreaking to me when I, I'll see comments about kids with ADHD or misbehaving. Some of these kids are probably autis autistic, have Asperger's, and people will chime in, oh, nothing that a boot up their butt, blah, 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 or a belt won't fix. And yeah, you know, right. the problem is you get... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you see what how it can spiral. And when I saw Nicholas Cruz's face, yes, 17 children were murdered. Some people are calling him a monster and calling for the death penalty. We are really a bloodthirsty society. I just saw that look in the eyes. Mm -hmm. I, again, used to practice criminal defense. And you see the eyes that are vacuous. This is obviously somebody who has, uh, I think they said he was autistic, who has probably been on many, many medications, much police activity going back to his home. And then you couple that with obviously going to be ostracized by your classmates, because that's what kids do. They, they single out and they will avoid the kids that don't fit in. And I think we have to look, and this is where I'm going to go tomorrow on this subject, we have to look at the schools themselves. Obviously, if these kids can get a firearm or they can make a bomb, they can find a weapon of choice. Let's just say we have a utopia and there are no firearms. We still have the government schools. We still have the medical industry. We still have parents that are uh, avoiding getting to the underlying cause because they don't have the information or they don't have the time. Why are these kids constantly going back to the schools? I submit this is the cause of a lot of their suffering 
they're treated, they go back to where a lot of their mental pain comes from being ostracized by students. Again, I'm not saying it is up to the fellow yeah, students yeah. I mean, to, I to kids, love these. Yeah. Early as, as, I've seen kids as early as kindergarten be so beaten down by, by the teacher, by the school. I, I can honestly, I can tell a homeschooled child when they walk in the room because they look you in the eye. As a, a public school kid is more likely, and these are kids obviously that already have problems that come to my office, but they're going to be looking at their feet. They don't look up. They are so downtrodden from the system. And uh, it's, you know, so that kind of starts it. And then the teachers are on the same path with getting the kids drugged, it might be legal, illegal for them to say, go drug your child, but they can say your child can't focus and concentrate and go see the doctor because they know what that means. If, it, if you go to the doctor and say the teacher says my child can't focus and concentrate, you'll get that drug. And they'll sometimes even tell you which doctor to go to because they know which doctor will give you that drug. And trust me, they don't like it when, they're, when they come to me because they know they're not going <laughs> to get that drug. And one time I did a little study. And what I found was that if the teacher believed that the child was now on medication, the child was suddenly better. I said, if I'm willing to provide these medications, I want you to write me a letter every Friday and tell me how that child did. Because if they're not better, we're not going to keep them on the medication because this med these medications have serious side effects. Now, I never said I was prescribing the medication, but the <laughs> teacher thought that's what was going on. And 90% of the teachers wrote that the child was better. It was doing great, even though the child was not on anything. So it's kind of more of a placebo for the teacher. And it seems interesting. Like. Yes, a placebo for the teacher. And I can also speak from personal experience. I spent a little bit of time in, again, it was the private school, but my um, younger son was going to go into kindergarten and I was told we need him tested because he will be expected to be sitting down and writing in kindergarten next year. I said, five-year-olds sitting there writing for 30 minutes at a time, five-year-old boys sitting still and doing this for 30 minutes at a time. When I was in kindergarten, I remember sitting there just looking at the clock as we went back and forth from a little easel learning what the alphabet was. And, you know, we are expecting so much. We The schools now also, again, I'll touch on this more tomorrow, <clears throat> they're expected these kids have to get good test results because now we have federal funding coming in. So again, just like the medical industry, follow the money. What is affecting the decisions the doctors make? Oftentimes it's the insurance companies who, as you said, they, the doctors are only able to spend about seven minutes. How can you get to the bottom of this, which may be a minor issue, but prescribing such a powerful drug, which can escalate into, like we saw before, a cocktail of medications. I akin this to putting lighting a birthday candle with, with napalm. And these kids are suffering, everybody's suffering, the victims of these children who themselves were victimized by malpractice. And then we have this escalation. And now what they're doing, the, the, the conversation we are seeing is, well, we need to make the schools safer. Somebody actually on the radio said, we have TSA checks at the airport. We need to have that in schools. How much like prisons 
Are we going to turn, are, are yeah. these schools going to be like, you know, we came and went when we, you know, when we please. Now kids are pretty much on lockdown, but here's the problem. These kids are locked together with other kids that are on these psychotropic medications and nobody really knows. Then the kids are ostracized because they're behaving strangely. And I don't blame this, the students for that. And this whole thing spirals oh. and you see these kids that are in a significant amount of pain. Everybody is talking about killing this kid. I, it, I, I think it's heartbreaking. I see somebody that probably went astray early on and from uh, events that spiraled and all these medications, here we are today, 17 lost, another soul that people want to kill and nobody's addressing the real problem. We're going to focus on how much or how little gun control and how much into mental health we're going to look into background checks for guns, but nobody's really addressing the issue. It's a society issue, parents too busy. Go ahead. Okay, schools get money, extra money for getting kids diagnosed with, with psychiatric disorders. So everybody's getting their financial piece of the action and the kids are the ones being destroyed. And we'll just leave it at that. And that is why your message is so important, why I'm so grateful to have you here and have this opportunity to get this out. You can share this link with your friends. Anybody that's interested, this, this show is not behind a paywall, so anybody can hear it. I think this message is absolutely crucial. And we touched on this earlier. I'm so glad you did because I will be continuing with this either tomorrow or later this week when we do another show. We have a problem with society, with people that are so caught up in acquiring possessions, maybe a house that is too expensive, a car they don't need, a boat they don't need, both parents working. We've gotten the moms out of the home now, and the kids are being raised by proxy parents, meaning the compulsory public education system run by the government. These kids are not thriving, they are suffering in this, and this is what we need to focus on. We need to focus on the medications that are being prescribed to these children who cannot be successful in government institutions of indoctrination. Oh, I beg your pardon, education. We will be talking about this more. Dr. Marianne Block from the Block Center, no more ADHD as well as just because you're, have de or just because you're depressed doesn't mean you have depression. We will have more of this. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This is the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman. God bless you.